Welcome to the Picture This Photography Podcast, where we talk about all things photography. We have a new episode every week, usually Wednesday, and it's free. Now, you may have seen recent news about camera sales plummeting, which inspired us to make this podcast where we ask the question, is photography dying? We've dug into all sorts of statistics because we wanted to find out not only what this meant for the camera manufacturers, but what this means for you. How will this impact the average photographer? We're going to tell you. But first, let's get a word from our sponsor, Squarespace. Whether you want a new website or domain, make your first move with Squarespace. You can get a free 14-day trial at squarespace.com Chelsea and 10% off with the coupon code Chelsea or Tony, but we're kind of making it a competition. The Tony one works a little bit better. People, no, I've it doesn't. Say, I've heard people say it's worse. First, let's talk about if cameras themselves are dying, because this is what's in the news all over the place. A 30% decrease in interchangeable lens camera sales year over year from February 2018 to February 2019. And there was a substantial drop the year before that. This is all the headlines. Right. And that and did, is kind of a big deal. And didn't the can was it the Canon CEO who predicted a 50% drop in sales over the course of 2 years. Yeah. So it's actually looking like he's predicted things pretty accurately. I wanted to put this into perspective. All this data comes from CIPA by the way, CIPA. To put this in perspective, uh well here's their super scary chart where they yeah. show camera sales from 2003 up to 2018. And what we see is in 2003, sales were about 40 million units and it just skyrockets up to 2008, where it levels off at about 120 million units, hangs in until 2010. And then 2018, we're looking at about 20 million units. <laughs> so that is a an epic drop from 120 million to 20 million that is devastating but if you look at the chart almost all of it are cameras with built-in lenses which are what we used to call the point and shoot cameras because that's what all the consumers used to get right so we're not talking about what people think of as a traditional professional camera an interchangeable lens system we're talking about just like a point and shoot kind of more of a consumer entry-level type of camera and people are still buying those they just they're their smartphones now yeah and like the number one people reason people want to upgrade their smartphone is for the new camera features that come out like that's yeah. still popular it's just it's apple and google and samsung that are making the money instead of canon and nikon and yeah i think the cameras are more popular than ever everyone has a camera in their pocket at all times just about yeah, so let's set that aside. Okay, point and shoot cameras, they're going to different companies now. And the way SEPA divides the data, they don't consider smartphones to be cameras, even though that's how people use them. And that makes it look scary. But overall, if you were to consider them cameras, the, you would see that the sales continue to skyrocket. It's just the way we classify them. But let's just look at interchangeable lens cameras, which are those cameras where you can take the lens on and off. They're pretty much what every pro would use and most enthusiasts use. You call them DSLRs or mirrorless cameras. And the chart is much less dramatic. It looks a little bit like the Matterhorn. Like <laughs> it, it peaks in 2012 at about 20 million units. And then it drops from 2012 to 2018, going down to about 110 million units. Right. So there's a big spike, but it's still 
above where it was pre-2004. Sorry, I said 110 million units. I meant 11 million units. <laughs> so 20 million units to 11 million units. So it hasn't yet fallen by half since the peak in 2012. Now, it still isn't good. This is not good for the industry. But I've been in a couple of industries that went through like boom and bust cycles, and this is not the worst thing I've seen. This is not as bad as post Y2K being in the tech world. It's not, you know, my company went bankrupt, Genuity, and we laid off almost all the staff. We just had to have a fire sale and we're just selling routers for as cheap as possible. Yeah, so that's actually a pretty apt comparison. The tech world, you had, you were in that whole bubble, the whole yeah. tech bubble. And you worked for, do you mind telling people where you worked? Well, the company changed names so often because back then everybody was buying and selling, but it was BBN, GT Internetworking, Genuity, and then uh, Level 3 bought us. Yeah. Like, this is the company that invented the router. Yeah, the router. And it was like a Fortune 500 company, right? Yeah, Fortune 100 company. Fortune 100. Our IPO was the biggest tech IPO of all time. And it's only it's second only to Google now, but Google IPO'd after us. So it was a big deal. And then we went bankrupt like six months later. And you had stock options. Yeah, about a million bucks. And then you lost them all, and you you probably, zero. did you cry? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it was a rough time. But, but anyway, I survived it. But what? why we're mentioning this, partially because it's funny, there's a little bit of schadenfreude, <laughs> but also because it's relevant, because often industries have these booms, these bubbles, and then those bubbles burst. So what happens? Well, what happened to you? I died. Yeah, you did die. Maybe that's not a great example. <laughs> Uh, well, I shifted myself. I went right. from working at a tech company to writing books about tech. And then that died and I had to shift into <laughs> something different. I was, but I became a photographer part time because suddenly I found myself not working a nine to five job and I could put part of my time into writing and part of my time into photography. And that's eventually what blossomed into me doing photography and photography education full time now. So I did have to shift, but I took my existing skills and made it a little bit different. And that's part of what we're going to preach if for those photographers who want to survive what could be a downturn. Camera manufacturers are kind of doing that too. Like they're taking their existing tech and optics and Nikon is making optics for things like scanners, other things that they hope, dental equipment, <laughs> things that they hope will yeah, help get Canon them Canon makes a lot of medical equipment. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this chart, it's not nearly as scary as the chart for overall cameras. And that's the point I want to make. The industry went through an artificial boom in 2012, and then it went back down. But overall, from 2004, camera sales are up, and the photography industry continues to do well. It doesn't mean all the camera manufacturers are going to survive. I think a big part of the problem is we saw this huge spike going up to 2012. And as somebody in the tech industry... I know that all the camera manufacturers saw these massive amounts of camera sales and they jumped in. They're like, this is growing so fast. Everybody assumes it's going to continue to grow forever. Like they think the chart is going to go up and up and up and they'll just be making trillions. <laughs> so nobody plans for this sudden downturn. And we had all these camera companies entering from like 2010 to 2012. That's when everybody made a new mount. Not all those companies are going to survive, I think. But... I think the big companies are in it for the long haul. I think some of them are. I mean, they have to innovate and change, right? Yeah. You cannot be the type of person or company that just clings to the past and 
wishes and wishes things were the way that they used to be, you have to be able to change and adapt. Yeah, Pentax. Oh. Let's move on to a next question. Is portrait photography dying? We're going to talk about that in a second. We're going to talk about what these camera sales mean to you and other uh, photography enthusiasts and people that are trying to work as photographers. But first, I want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Squarespace. Tony and I both have Squarespace websites. We like them a lot. They're easy. If you can drag and drop, you can make your own Squarespace website. We preach that a lot. In the context of this podcast, I have to say, if you're adapting, if you're a photographer and you're trying to sell your services, you need to have a presence on the internet, not just on social media, but a website is a good idea. You can get a free Squarespace website, try it out, put your pictures up, put your prices up, show people what you're selling, and you can try one for 14 days for free, no credit card needed, you don't have to remember to cancel. Just go to squarespace.com Chelsea and use the coupon code Chelsea for 10% off. I put a new picture in my portfolio just the other day, the one of Justin playing pool. It took me like two minutes. I, I wasn't going to do it, but then people liked it so much on Instagram. I was like, okay, I'll drop it in my portfolio and see how it goes. Yeah, it's good to think, keep things current. I actually have been pretty bad about that, so I've got to update mine. So getting back to portrait photography, this yeah. has been in the headlines lately, and you see so many scary articles about it. Like Target closed all of its portrait studios. JCPenney's closed their studios. Sears had them. Uh, all these studios are Walmart closed their studios and that used to be how everybody got their pictures every year the family would go to the local Walmart or Sears and they'd pose in front of the little painted canvas backdrop and you'd have a 17 year old take your picture for you yeah and that whole industry is gone instead big portrait studios are definitely dead but none of those people are in our audience because I've I've known some of those photographers, and they did not care about photography at all. Well, no, everything's set up, so they press a button. Yeah, and they that. would literally get, like, on the order of an hour of training because the cameras and lights never moved. It would yeah. mostly be sales training. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that is, that's not the people that we're concerned about. I don't think that they expected to have a long career with photography. I think that that's more of just a, a J-O-B. We're talking about what this means for you a small portrait photographer selling your work in your town. I thought this was going to be terrible news. <laughs> I expected yeah. this to be the worst. And then I researched it like crazy. And portrait photography actually seems to be on the uptick. It <laughs> actually seems to be getting more popular. Now, it definitely took a drop between 2004 and 2013. Yeah. Uh, this was sort of the advent of digital photography in general. Social media was on the rise. More and more people were taking their own pictures and they were able to share them. People sort of stopped thinking about getting those annual photos and hanging them up on the wall. We started thinking more about sharing images digitally. And that led to fewer people searching for portraits. And that led to the death of the big companies. But since then, after we got over that, portrait photography has been going up a little bit. It's rebounding. And I don't have data to support this, but anecdotally, I see an entirely new type of portrait industry that has arisen from the ashes of these sort of awful formulaic portrait factories that we used to have where people find like talented craftsmen in their area. They see awesome pictures that other people have in their social media and they ask who took that picture and it will be some local photographer. 
I think that photographers are also adapting to the change and realizing uh, some people do still want to be in a studio. There's still a time and a place for that. But there's a different style that's becoming popular. And if you're going to stay relevant and if you're going to sell your work, you have to offer something people can't easily do on their own. They're not educated about photography, your client. You have to make sure it's evident what they're getting when they hire somebody to do it for them. And I think that photographers are becoming more savvy and they're using social media. And I think that that's part of the the change and the up, and the uptick. I am so happy that this is good advice. I think good advice, good news for, for photographers. Yeah, for portrait photographers anyway. We have some more dark news coming up. But... <laughs> If you are interested in actually making money as a portrait photographer, I'm going to push you to our taking and selling professional portraits training series. Yeah. Now you can find lots of information on how to pick the right camera for portrait photography. And this actually teaches you the business. We wanted something that would help people make money. So we're having a 30% off sale. Now you can head to stp.io slash pro portrait and use the 30% off code pro 30. That's I don't think we've ever had a sale on it. Yeah. If you don't like it, you can just return it. No questions asked. Yeah. So zero risk. Okay. Is wedding photography dying? That's our next question. We started thinking about all of these different industries. Okay. Camera sales are going down. Are portrait sales going down? No. Is wedding photography staying popular? No. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. But... This doesn't necessarily have to do with photography in general. Wedding photography is super expensive. So this isn't necessarily the death of wedding photography. I think this is kind of reliant on the economy. Yeah, and it's it's a question that's neither here nor there for a lot of photographers. If you're a successful wedding photographer, we know lots of them who remain booked up yeah. all the time. Because if you're the best in your field... You're going to be busy, no problem. But there's going to be lots of people in the middle who maybe start to have a hard time with it. If you're entering the industry, it could be a lot harder. But still, when you look at trends, portrait photography always peaks like October because everybody wants to get their Christmas cards done. And then wedding photography, uh, people start looking into that in like the spring for their summer weddings and such. So for a lot of photographers, weddings and portraits still go hand in hand. Here's a quote from a Vogue article in 2016 about hiring wedding photographers. It made sense back in the olden days, pre-Facebook albums and Instagram hashtags, when the whole world didn't have phones with cameras on them. Having the actual leather-bound album on your coffee table seemed like the only evidence that the whole thing actually took place. I understand that people feel that way. I agree with that sentiment. I totally get how the average person would think that. That is so wrong, and I have seen the trash wedding photos to prove it. Yeah. If you want your wedding day documented, you should have a wedding photographer. But that is how a lot of people feel. Yeah, we know, we can know better, but it doesn't change the mentality. And when I think about the last three weddings that we went to, none of them had professional photographers. They all had friends shooting it. Well, the last one, they didn't have anybody shooting it, and... It was close enough to our house. Remember, we literally went back to the house and got a camera. We're like, we have to to do something here because this is going to turn out poorly. They're going to regret not having somebody. So we just like improvised and threw them some pictures at the last minute. Yeah. But three weddings, 100% of the last three weddings did not have pro photographers. We also did a wedding for a friend and her backup plan was the Holga cameras. 
which is like, a, it's not just her idea, it's a trend to have the Holga cameras on the table um, and then have your guests do it, which is, I think, a cool way to see your your guest perspective of what the wedding was like. But um, I don't think those kind of photos have any kind of staying power. Here's the mentality. I found some quotes in different articles and, and vlog posts about it, blog posts. Stage photos make you feel awkward. That's how people feel nowadays because we people take so many photos of each other and of themselves. Yeah. We're talking dozens a day, younger people do. To to pose for somebody else feels uncomfortable and weird and tryhardy and kind of poser literally posy. But the irony of that is that the photos that people are used to today, when you go on Instagram and you see these influencers they put so much time and money into a making a picture look like it's not staged. Yeah. And they look like they're just chilling on a mountain somewhere, but they're wearing a perfect backpack and the perfect outfit and the perfect shoes and their hair and makeup is done, even though they're supposed to be camping. Like people think that they're looking at candid photos and that's why they think they don't need to hire a professional. And so my takeaway there is if you're a wedding photographer advertising that as something you offer like ooh, like get a candid looking moment you know this doesn't have to be staged this could just be like a fly on the wall looking experience mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people say you can do it yourself just selfie style they're going to capture images it used to be wedding photographers were in need this was the only way you'd have any recorded memories of the wedding nowadays you know you're going to end up with eight thousand pictures with hashtag choni and chelsea 2019 but so it's not what? a need anymore it's a want do, you can do it yourself selfie style you deserve what you get whoever said that i don't know who you are you monster but <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh another chart looking at the trend of wedding photography whereas portrait photography saw this decline from 2003 to 2013 uh wedding photography sees that too but portrait photography leveled off and wedding photography really continues on the decline. And I, I think in the last decade, it's dropped roughly 60% or so. And a good 30% of that has been in the last few years. I think it's when you look at what young people think, they don't seem to be motivated to have one at all. I think a big part of it is that weddings are largely paid for by parents and the older generation feels like it might be important. But at the same time, people are getting older and older, and it's it's changing. I don't see this trend reversing. You also, but you also brought up a good point that the average age for getting married now is twenty seven, and the average income at that age is low. Yeah, I, I mean, well, if you look at stats, because we looked at information from the Bureau of Labor Services, and income in general at that age has increase like average income but it's yeah. because employment has gone up overall mm -hmm. so there used to be more unemployed people than they are now and that's good news but these people also have on average i think forty six thousand dollars in debt at that point in their life and that's not mortgages like this is personal debt like what about student loan debt student loan debt is the biggest chunk of it so in, in a way this sort of education crisis that we have going on at least in the united states is is i think largely impacting weddings because when i look at anecdotal evidence at people on wedding forums they're saying oh we have fifteen hundred dollars for the whole wedding and that's a stretch for us and that's barely enough to get food for guests and yeah. a venue of some kind so the, what's one of the things that get cut 
photographer. photographer. You know how many people have written me personally and asked for a free free wedding photography or like $200 to shoot a wedding? So I think people want it but don't have the money. Yeah, so it's not there are still people who are willing to pay, but the number of those people will probably continue to decline. Yeah. See, I know people that make six figure shooting weddings and they travel everywhere. They're going to Fiji. They're going to the Bahamas. So if you're really good at it, you can still make a lot of money. Okay. The passionate survivor. That's what we're talking about next. Now, this was your idea, Tony. What are you thinking with this? Well, when I saw the tech crash, okay, a couple of years prior to the tech boom, say 1996 to the year 2000 tech companies were hiring everybody they could and we were hiring like idiots like people who did not know what they were doing we hired anybody and then we would try to get them to learn how to code or do something those people as soon as it crashed they were all gone they were the first people laid off all the people who survived it were the people who were there before the tech boom, the people who were passionate about it, the people who loved to code or were just really excited about making backups work properly. It's a boring industry. <laughs> but in photography, I think we're going to see the same thing. Those people who really love taking photos, who love capturing the best memories of a wedding, they're still going to be around no matter what because the yeah. segment doesn't disappear, it just shrinks. It's the people who came in thinking they could make a quick buck, the, the people who didn't really care, they're gone, they're out. Yeah, or the people that aren't going to put in that little extra hard work to stick it through because that's what they really want. Yeah, but it's that passion that makes mm -hmm. you put in that extra time, right? That's my theory. Okay, so we had some ideas for how you could still be a professional photographer, even though some of the, some of the fields of photography are kind of winding down a little bit and the fact is you have to diversify as a photographer your only skill isn't just taking stills video is growing in popularity and with video video editing is growing in popularity that there's so much overlap there between that and photography you wouldn't believe it i recently just started editing video and you have to know color grading and the editing and the composition and the lighting there is a lot of overlap so learn multiple skills because that will set you apart I have to also say just today I was offered a job doing a, a drone video for a local park. So people knew I was a photographer and they automatically assumed I did dr drone videos, which we do happen to do. But yeah, diversify. I'll, I'll plug my part 107 training, which is completely free at sdp.io slash 107. Like thousands and thousands of people have passed their professional certification. If you're in the U.S. and you want to do commercial drone work you have to take this test from the FAA and that'll get you through it for free. Um, I also want to say the Bureau of Labor Services measured uh, what they thought employment would be in photography from 20, 2016 to 2026. And they predicted a 6% decline in working photographers, but they predicted a 7% increase in working videographers, people working in the field, video field in general. Yeah. So even the BLS thinks photography is on the decline. And that's against like a 7% overall increase in employment. So a 6% decline is really like a 13% decline in comparison to the overall growing pool of employment. 
um, when you have those skills, when you have video and stills and drones, that sets you up to do something like real estate or to do footage for other businesses. So now you're going more commercial. So you're not relying on someone that can't afford a wedding photographer. You are thinking about working for a business that already has money. So if you want to make money as a photographer, go where the money is. Find an industry to work for that's doing well. Um, Even if you're just paying your bills so you can do whatever it is you're passionate yeah. about. Yeah because there is overlap. I'll say for both real estate and commercial, I did see general trends increasing. And I think um, real estate is interesting because they've always had photos in real estate. And yeah. so maybe it's just mirroring an overall booming real estate market. But I also think realtors have begun to appreciate that good photos help them make more money. And so there's a budget there. That's a rare opportunity for photographers to actually turn a profit for a business. And that's an easy sale. But for commercial photography, every business now needs an increasingly large social media presence and great Absolutely. photos help. And sometimes it's product photos, but other times it's, you know, the CEO is just out being people and they want them to look like people. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you hire a photographer to make them look like people. And that's something that you have to understand how to give that to somebody. Just handing people pictures is not always... The only thing that you have to do, you may have to study marketing and you may have to get to know social media because they all kind of are bundled together. And that's just another real world example for me. I know several people with local businesses and they want me to do the pictures and the social media because they don't understand how those two things are related and they don't know what to do and a little bit of marketing too. So if you can go to someone and say, I'll just take your picture, they might think, what do I do with that? If you can go to someone and say, I could take your picture and I could put it on your Instagram and I could give you a caption, then suddenly they're seeing your value. So diversifying and knowing your value and knowing your worth and knowing what other people need, that's going to be a really important part of surviving. And in a way, I think a lot of full-time photography jobs will become part of other jobs. And you kind of mentioned that, like if you're a social media specialist, being a good photographer will make you so much better at that. And even if you're a business owner, if you run a restaurant, being a good photographer is really going to help you run that restaurant. Yeah. And maybe the best analogy is what computers used to be like, you know, in the seventies, if you needed data put into a computer, you hired a computer operator and that job disappeared because everybody became a computer operator. It's part of all of our jobs now. And more and more photography is going to be part of everyone's jobs. So if you learn photography, it will become useful even if you don't go on to be a full-time photographer. Yeah. And I can't, I can't stress the importance of you putting it out there that you're capable of all these things because people see us taking pictures and they're coming to us all of the time. Car dealerships, gyms, restaurants, like they want us to help them not only take their pictures, but promote what they're doing. And you, all of you could have that skill. That about wraps it up. I'd love to hear what people's thoughts are. How are you navigating a difficult market? Which fields do you think will grow and which will shrink? Are we completely full of it? Or wedding is, do you think wedding photography is booming and portrait photography is shrinking? I don't know. I'd like to hear what people think. Yeah, maybe they have some charts and graphs we didn't find. <laughs> And thank you to our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace makes amazing websites easy. They will make your photography business or any kind of business look awesome. If you want to check it out for free, go to squarespace.com slash Chelsea. That'll give you a free trial. No credit card required. If you love it, the coupon code Chelsea will give you 10% off. Also, don't forget that uh, we got that sale going on, guys. 
for professional portraits, how to sell them. It's uh, fully refundable, so if you don't like it or if it's not benefiting you, just send it back to us and we'll give you your money back. Head to northup.photo. The coupon code is PRO30. Thanks.